The reading today is from John's Gospel, chapter 6, beginning at verse 25. In the Pew Bibles, this is on page 1069. So John 6, 25. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him the God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what, what must we do to do the work God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is, it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. At this, the Jews there began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws them and I will raise them up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Very truly I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. 
Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. Good morning. It's lovely to see you all here this morning. My name is Micah. I'm a student minister here. Uh, And if you um, haven't met me yet already, uh, feel free to do so as we go to Bales Park. It'd be great to get to know you all. Let me start by uh, just quickly praying. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, I pray that as we... um, encounter Jesus in your word today, that you would lead us to entrust our lives to him and that we would be changed to be more in his image. We pray this in his name. Amen. Let me ask you, are you hungry? And I mean like really hungry, like starving. It's a strange question probably to ask, isn't it, here in Australia and perhaps even more so in the the Willoughby area where it's very unlikely any of us have ever really faced the desperation of impoverished starvation. We haven't ever had that feeling of death looming, being um, unable to feed ourselves or our family. I wonder, can you imagine what that would be? be like. It's a pretty bleak picture, isn't it? Well, did you know that the Bible says things are worse for you if you don't have the bread of life? If you don't have the bread of life, the Bible says that you are malnourished and withering away spiritually. Your stomach might be physically full, and yet you're desperately starving. You might not even know it, and in fact you probably don't know it, because if that is the case, you are most likely so distracted from your spiritual need by always having your physical desires satisfied. And there's a greater danger to starving spiritually than physically. If we starve to death spiritually, it's not just the death of our fleshly bodies, but it's a death which leads us forever and ever in suffering. We need this spiritual hunger to be satisfied. We need food that will satisfy our deadly starvation and lead to eternal life. Who will help us? Who will give us the bread of life? This is the question that our passage from today answers. We're going to see that, excuse me, um, the only way to stop starving spiritually is by coming to and putting our faith in Jesus, the true bread of life. Let's open up our Bibles to um, chapter 6, if you haven't already. 
So from verse 25, we're going to see that there's been this crowd who's been following Jesus. Um, And they have uh, been with him and they've observed um, previously this amazing miracle which he performed where there was 5,000 men and possibly women and children um, in the desert countryside. And he fed them all by multiplying five small loaves and two small fish. And after this, Jesus had left across the Sea of Galilee to the other side. And eventually the crowds had caught up to him. Verse 25, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. As is so common in John's Gospel, it's clear here that the crowds, while they had seen the visible miracle right before their eyes of multiplied bread and fish, they had not actually seen the sign. They had not understood that the miracle was not simply about feeding their bellies, but that it pointed to a deeper spiritual truth about Jesus. So the crowds were seeking physical satisfaction, but were unable to see what they really needed, the one they really needed, who the miracle pointed to, Jesus himself. Verse 27, Do not work for the food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. See, the crowds are following um, this miracle-working person who can spontaneously produce bread in front of them. Their bellies drive them to follow Jesus. But what Jesus shows is that that goal is not enough. Let me ask you, what do your bellies hunger for, I wonder? What drives you to be filled? Jesus says, work for food that endures to eternal life. Now, after this, the crowds get a little bit off topic and they latch onto what Jesus says about work. They ask him, verse 28, what must we do to do the works God requires? And Jesus brings them back into focus. He says, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Now, this is really both central to this passage, but really it's, it's central to the whole of John's gospel. His aim is that his readers would believe in Jesus, whom God has sent. He wants us to put our trust in him and follow him. The work which lasts into eternity, the work God requires, is to believe and trust and trust yourself to Jesus. He wants us not to be distracted by the things of the world which so often prevent us from coming to him. I wonder, do you get distracted by what perishes at the expense of what lasts into eternity? What sorts of things try to satisfy your temporary hunger, which ultimately get in the way and distract you from Jesus? And if you're not a Christian yet, or haven't taken the step to trust in Jesus, ask yourself, is that because 
You're too focused on satisfying present desires. Are you, are you unwilling to follow Jesus? Because that would mean you would have to give up certain of life's pleasures, the things that you want to do that wouldn't be right in following Jesus. Is your belly grumbling for life's distractions? Are you misprioritizing what is temporary and fades for what is eternal and infinitely valuable? Jesus says in Mark 8.36, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Now, belief in in Jesus um, isn't just an abstract assent to knowledge. It's not just about, you know, do I know the right thing or not? Belief in Jesus means entrusting your life to him. It means not just acknowledging that he's, he's right and true, but that he's also the son of God through whom he created the world, who, owes, who owns everything, including your life, who is your God and your king. Do you entrust your life to Jesus? Do you trust him with every part of your life? It's a pretty big ask, isn't it, actually? And... Um, The crowds here think so too. Actually, verse 30, they say, What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. But the irony is quite strong here, isn't it? Uh, The crowds who had just been with Jesus as He provided them food in the wilderness is asking for a sign like Moses where God provided food in the wilderness. Had they not seen it? Had they not been there? Had they not paid attention? Isn't that exactly the sort of sign they wanted? This really does show that while they had physically seen the sign, they had obviously just not understood its significance. Jesus said to them, verse 32, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who, gives, uh, who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. In verse 35, then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. You see, while God had indeed given bread through Moses to the Israelites in the wilderness, God now in Jesus offers a bread which satisfies not our physical hunger, but much, much more importantly, satisfies our greater need for eternal life. Jesus, the bread of life, who who was given from heaven that we may not perish, is God's provision for our spiritual starvation. Earthly things may distract us from our need for Jesus, but it is never long until we are once more confronted with our own mortality, our own death, and we wake up from our sleep and realize that we are empty and hungry. Jesus is the bread we need, and no other bread will do. Well, at this point, the crowds, um, they obviously don't like what uh, Jesus has said, that he's calling people to believe in him. And Jesus knew this. Uh, So verse um, 37, he says, 
All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. You see, the belief of the crowds here is not simply a matter of uh, seeing signs. He, he, Jesus could have provided the most amazing miracles and proofs in the world, and yet they would not have placed their faith in him. In actuality, the issue here, in order for them to believe, is that the Father had not drawn them. And if they had not been drawn by the Father, they would reject Jesus. Now that seems a little strange to us, doesn't it? Because when we ask the question, well, how on earth do I know if the Father is drawing me? How on earth do we know if God is drawing us? Well, look with me at verse 40. Jesus says that it is the Father's will that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And then back up to verse 37, all those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. See, these two verses show us that if we believe in Jesus, we can have confidence to know that our belief is not simply our own doing, but it is actually the Father's work in us. We believe not because of ourselves, but because God has drawn us. And so how do we know if God has drawn us? Well, we know because we believe in Jesus. So the call is believe in Jesus. Put your faith in him and trust yourself to him. Believe he is exactly who he says he is. Because when you do this, you prove and can be confident that God has drawn you. Now, the crowds give another excuse here as to why they won't believe in Jesus. They say, verse 42, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I come down from heaven? Isn't he just, you know, we, we know his family. Isn't he just a regular man? But in this, you can see they had not uh, believed the proof they had ignored all of the things which had happened before, all of the witness to Jesus and all of the, the things that he did in the name of God. Verse 45. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. See, the problem isn't signs. Their unbelief is not because they haven't had proof Jesus' answer again here once again shows that the reason for the crowd's unbelief is found in that they had not been taught by God. They had not listened to the scriptures where God speaks to them. They may have read the scriptures, which um, the scriptures which talk about uh, that talk about Jesus, they predict Jesus, they talk about all the things that God does, and yet here is the man in front of them who does the works of God, and they don't believe. And this uh, reminds us of what we read back in chapter 5, where it says, if you believed in Moses, you would have believed in me, for he wrote about me. Friends, I hope this is not the case for us. I hope and pray that you would not be so distracted with the world around you that you are unable to hear the call of God in Scripture 
to follow his son. I pray that you would listen to what is written so that being taught by God, you would be drawn to believe in Jesus. Now, so far, um, we've heard that Jesus is the bread of life, but what does that really mean? Verse 51 says, Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. What on earth does that mean to say that his flesh is the bread which gives life for the world? And, and what does that have to do um, yeah, with, with, with anything at the moment? And the crowds are actually quite confused here as well. They say, verse 52, they begin to argue sharply amongst themselves, how can this man give us his bread, uh, his flesh to eat? And verse 53, Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. While it might be tempting um, here to think of these verses as referring to the Lord's Supper, um, communion doesn't really fit the, the wider the context here What does make a lot more sense, actually, is that Jesus has begun to talk in figures about his own death. And um, and we'll see, as the gospel goes on, that theme becomes uh, front and centre towards the end. But again, the question is still there. What does it mean to say that his flesh is the bread which gives us life? And how on earth does Jesus' death come into play? Well, Romans 6 says, the wages of sin is death. That means that, every, uh, that the wages deserved to be paid out for anyone who has ever sinned is death, and no one has not sinned except for Jesus. But 1 Peter 2.24 says that about Jesus, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live to righteousness. By his wounds, that is his flesh and his blood, you are healed. In giving up his flesh and his blood in his death on the cross, the Son of God, the Holy One who had never sinned, the pure King of heaven, who made the world, took those wages that would have been paid unto us. He died the death we deserve. Jesus is the bread of life because when we come to him and believe in him, his death counts as ours and we are taken from death to life. His flesh and blood become the food that gives us life and sustains us. We consume that food that he offers by coming to him and putting our trust in him, turning from our ways and following him. You see, it's in sin that the world is starving and withering to death. But it is through Jesus that we are filled and are sustained into life. Brothers and sisters, our world is starving. starving. Our country is starving. Our suburb is starving. They need the true bread from heaven who satisfies their hunger. Are you hungry? Are you starving? Verse 45 says, Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them 
at the last day. And then verse 37, whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Come to Jesus and believe. He is the true bread from heaven by whom you may live. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you that you have given us the bread of life of heaven. Lord, I pray that you would help us put our trust in him and and, and trust our lives to him. We pray this in his name. Amen.